This episode of Taking It to the House was brought to you by EBH Fitness Studios. It's a way of life. Dr. C. Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking it to the house. And I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I'm taking it to the house. I want to welcome you to season two, episode two of Taking it to the House. I'm here with my co-host. If you guys missed last week's show, you missed a good one. Fans are hoping Miss Miss Schroeder shows up again. Will Miss Schroeder show up again for episode two? Miss Schroeder is a fan favorite. Miss Schroeder is probably going to take over the show. <laughs> but if she doesn't show, hopefully later on in the season, we get a chance to see Miss Schroeder. Vic, I have an opening burn, and then I'm going to toss it to you, brother. First, it's not even a burn. Hurricane Ida had come in and has wrecked havoc throughout America, Mississippi, the Gulf, New Orleans. Uh, my nephew was affected and I'm glad he's safe, he's home. Thank you uh, for the update, uh, Vic, on your son, my nephew, and I'm glad he's safe. But there are many others that are still without electricity, water, shelter, maybe displaced because of it. And then it goes all the way up to New York and a path of destruction from the Gulf all the way to the East Coast. And so we're here, we can have fun, we can laugh and even be distracted by sports. And this is a sports show, but we from taking it to the house, we extend our condolences for those and we, our prayers are up for you. Uh, if you hear this show, we just wanna know that we're thinking about you. And so uh, as you go through and it's gonna be weeks for some and it's gonna be even longer for others, we want to just let you know that taking it to the house, uh, we're thinking about you. So, Vic, I toss it to you, sir. Great point. Um, I just want to caveat on that. Um, when we, start, we talk about sports, we know it's the great distractor. It helps us all escape some of the realities and some of the horrors of the world. Uh, but it's also important that we are reminded of what's happening in other parts of this country or this world. And so, as you talked about Hurricane Ida, definitely prayers and, and support. And I, Thank the first responders who are on site helping families uh, help put pieces back together. Uh, many of the volunteers that are there laboring and putting in long hours. Uh, thank you again for the words of, of, of comfort regarding my son. As we talked about last week, uh, he's a freshman at LSU in Baton Rouge. So one of the areas along Ida's path. And so he has made it back home safely as they're out of school until after Labor Day. But definitely thank you for that. And our thoughts and prayers here from Take It to the House are for the families who are directly affected. And we hope today's show gives you at least a little bit of escape um, as we you know, try to work on this healing process together. So what you got, Unc? What's been on your mind for the last week? I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I'm wearing my L.A. hat because I'm so happy. As of last night, the Dodgers are in first place in the West. They they, they won and beat the Braves. Uh, the Brewers went up to San Francisco, handled that business with the Giants. I know some people don't want to hear that, such as our co-host. But however, he's on the other side. He doesn't have a mic. He can't speak for the Giants. But my Dodgers are in first place. That's why I'm wearing the hat. But that's not even where I wanted to go. You, sir. You, sir. I want you to piggyback on or pick up where we left off last week with Cam Newton 
You had an outstanding bird. I can sit here and go get my popcorn and let you go. And that's exactly what I want you to do. I want the world, I want our fans, I want taking it to the house people to hear exactly what's on your mind regarding Cam Newton. For those of you, let me, let me set it up for you a little bit more. Last week, we talked about Cam Newton in a leadership role, decision-making ability or lack of making a decision, in this case, being vaccinated. And so last week, we discussed it. We said, well, your job may be in jeopardy. Oh, lo and behold, a couple of days later after this show, he loses his job. I want to remind people, it wasn't that long ago that the black quarterback was unheard of. Why? They thought we weren't smart enough. They thought we couldn't be the CEOs of a team. They didn't think we were intelligent enough to be able to orchestrate and move a team to be able to win. Was Cam Newton arrogant? I believe there's some arrogance in that. What my point is, we need to hold on to these jobs. We need to take care of these jobs because it wasn't that long ago. We didn't have that as a job. And here Cam Newton is, laissez-faire maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But he's without a quarterback job. And not too long ago, he was MVP of the league. Why? Because he was a freak. He was never an outstanding a pinpoint quarterback. He was never a drop back and, and kind of dude. He was just a sandlot freak. But he was very good at what he did. But, but, but now he's without a team. So the New England Patriots released him a couple of days ago. And my co-host here hit me up. He had a hot take. And I want to let him have the mic. Vic, go with it, sir. All I have to say, that taking it to the House Leadership Award goes to, drum roll please, the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, and Bill Belichick. Why? Because I told y'all here first, last week, mm. this is a leadership thing. So you are so caught up in your 10-year veteran status, Cam Newton, that you felt vaccinated or unvaccinated, the best leadership decision for you to make was to violate team protocols. Now, not only violate team protocols, but if you're so clued in as the leader, you say you were not aware of the team protocols. How absentee are you to be the leader, the on-the-field leader, but not understand what team protocols are in place to the point where you violate it? Going into that five-day hiatus you had for making a bad leadership decision, you were QB1. QB1, 10 years in the league, just coming off of a shoulder injury, competing against a rookie out of Alabama. Yes, you had the spot. So whatever you decided was more important for you to do, instead of adhering to team rules, guidelines, the NFL's COVID protocol, you did what you want to do. Why? Because you can. Vaccinated or not, I don't care. But you did something to put your team in a bad position. If you're going to be a leader, you got to be a leader. You placed your team and your career in position. Was it worth it? I say I give the hmm. award to the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, and Bill Belichick. Why? Because you made it a statement. 
You said my team culture, my organizational identity is more important than you, Cam. More important than the center. More important than Sam Michelle. More important than my cornerbacks. It doesn't matter. If you don't understand what my culture is and you can't fit in here, you're not bigger than the team. You're not bigger than the team. That was a key statement. If you all know me, I sway on the side of leadership. I could be pro-athlete. I could be pro-management, pro-organization. I'm about leadership. What makes the most and best leadership sense? In this case, New England Patriots do what they're supposed to do. There are so many times where uh, star athletes, star employees are above the law, and they get pushed through the system. Mm -hmm. They can never do no wrong. And second is someone that may not be as talented or qualified as they are, does the same offense, they're released, they're fired, they're terminated, they're suspended. So for New England Patriots say, you were my quarterback one. You were going to be the starter week one. We have a position to win the AFC East at you at the helm. We've invested in you the last 15 months. We're going to say, you know what? You're not worth it. I will scrap this and put the hands of this team into a rookie. Kudos. Because you said, I don't care who you are. He, if, you, if you think he was playing, ask Tom Brady. Ask Tom Brady. Yes, I got 20 years with you. But guess what? My team is more important. This organization is more important than one person. I will ride with these championships you gave me, Tommy. But you got to go, bro. Because I'm looking at the, the benefit of the team, not the benefit of the player. So if Cam thought he was at Tom Brady level and hasn't delivered even the AFC East championship, come on, dude, sit down. The other thing about that from a leadership perspective, we talked about it last week. If you, as the unvaccinated uh, football player, QB1, said, I'm not going to do this, and this is what I'm going to do instead, those players who look at you as the on-the-field leader, which you are, you lead either leading positively or negatively, you're going to create a divisive locker room. And so before that starts, and before that type of cancer, that seed, infects uh, Bill Belichick's locker room? He said, not today. He gutted it. And kudos to him. So now, Cam, you'll find your team somewhere. They're talking about the Houston Texans. Hey, but did you learn your lesson, bro? Did you learn your leadership lesson? Someone can learn a lesson in this. But again, the take it to the house leadership award goes to New England Patriots. And you all know my loyalty is to the Baltimore Ravens. But again, this is not about my favorite team. This is about my favorite leadership example. And Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, New England Patriots, they get that award for the week. Kudos to y'all. Great job. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know where Cam can go because I don't know. I, I think of him like a Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony. You know, they're, they don't want to come off the bitch. They have the attitude is that I am still this star. I, I'm still still highly productive. Where can he go right now? So last year, he didn't have the benefit of a preseason you talked about or a training camp, and he went to a new team. This is just as bad. Now he's released, not picked up by any team. Where does he go as a backup? And so it, will he be able to have the mindset, I'm here to support the team or, or better a team as a backup versus going in and being disruptive to your point 
as a second fiddle to somebody else. Who's he going to hold the clipboard for? I see that as a problem. You mentioned being career threatening. This could be career defining, you know, and threatening. It could be the end. The last time we may have seen him was could be in a Patriots uniform because can he uh, uh, um, humble himself and take a secondary, second fiddle role on any team? I don't see that. Could be completely wrong. I don't know Cam. I don't know what Cam is capable of, but that's what we're asking of now. If he goes to any team, he will be the second fiddle. Mentally, can he do that? What do you say, sir? It's a good point because he is now in a unique position where he has to reinvent himself. Not that he did not get cut at the end of last season. He got cut at the end of preseason. Teams have already gone through, through their evaluation of who's going to be their QB1. They've had a full uh, offseason, OTAs. Then they go right to preseason. They trimmed their rosters to the 53-man. They had the quarterback battles. So what? who is going to say, wow, well, Cam is available. Let me put him on, and now let's create another quarterback controversy. The only team that makes sense if he's going to try to get the QB1 position is Houston, and they're dealing with that Deshaun Watson thing. So you make a great point. If he is picked up, he's going to have to ride the pine, and he has not had to ride the pine even after coming off of that injury. He left Carolina because he said I wasn't going to ride the pine. He felt Carolina didn't trust in his rehab, so he waited in the offseason before getting picked up by New England and he thought he was going to have to ride the pond then because he said uh, he had a quarterback battle last year. He get QB1, and he had a subpar season last year because he got impacted by COVID. He comes back this year. They're saying he's stronger. He looks great. He understands the system. And then he, he peed in the bed, and they had took him out, gone. So I, I like your point. I He will have to reinvent himself. He has to humble himself to be a backup. For the first time in his career, we saw Andy Dalton had to do the backup. And what happened, he was rewarded. It's unfortunate that Dak Prescott had to get hurt for Andy Dalton to get the start. But he parlayed that into finishing the, 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 the season with the Dallas Cowboys and then getting picked up by the Chicago Bears. And But he still found himself in a quarterback battle with the rookie. Yeah. So Cam cannot bet on himself so much and say, wow, I'm 10 years in the league. And I don't have a home right now. And the game and the season starts next what week. Does, what does it say when Ron Vera, your longtime coach, will not even pick you up for, for the Washington football team? That's saying Ryan Fitzpatrick fits magic. Some say fits tragic. It depends on which he can't even beat out. Or he's 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 gonna be elevated before Cam. Cam is not even being considered for the Washington team. That speaks volumes but we can go on and on we don't want to spend the whole show talking about cam but i see cam as i see this could this could be it and or if he doesn't reinvent himself he, this will be it you're up to your point this is it but if he does reinvent himself or he has strong leadership some some team some coach some quarterback who's not threatened by cam that's where he needs to land i just don't see it i don't know where that could be and so cam this this could be it, sir. I I like you, Cam. One I love what you bring to the team. Yeah. Go ahead. One thing I'll say, I, I look almost now at this stage of 10 years in the league, he almost becomes the Chad Ocho Cinco of, of uh quarterbacks. 
there's a time when people put up with Chad Ocho Cinco's mess. There's a time when people would put up with T.O.'s mess. And then they're like, nah, nah, I'm okay. You you reached that point. Remember, he he had this disposition with the media. He had this, this, this oh, I can't lose attitude. When I lose, I'm going to be sourpuss, don't want to engage with the media. Oh, the year he won the MVP, but he, he peed in the bed at the Super Bowl. Uh, he didn't he didn't mm. show the effort when he had that fumble. Yeah. And so these these actions, those leadership behaviors. Yes, they weren't positive so leadership behaviors down. because he's setting the yeah. example. But guess what? Now those are seeds that he planted years ago that are harvesting that says, is he really a good character guy? Do I want to risk my money and time on him now? He's not as healthy as he used to be. Uh, can we trust that he's going to do right? Hey, you were in the New England Patriots system and you didn't conform. Yeah. We know Bill Belichick runs a pretty tight ship. If you couldn't work yeah. in that environment, when we're going to be a little more loose, how will you work in this environment? And do we want to put up with that? Right. That's what he has done to himself in his image, where now he finds himself in position needing the league more than the league needs him. There are other quarterbacks as well. And, and it's interesting because we're talking about the CEOs of their company, of their team on a, for those three hours on a Sunday. Carson Wentz, reportedly unvaccinated. Uh, Kirk Cousins, reportedly unvaccinated. Dak Prescott, reportedly not vaccinated. What, what? Lamar uh, Jackson, you talked about maybe got one shot, but has been positive for COVID twice. What, what's going on with these quarterbacks? What's going on with this culture? COVID, we talked about it. We had to learn to live with it. I wish we didn't, but it's here. As And we talked about it, Vic, but they are, are we going to lose these other quarterbacks? Are they going to be on the sideline too? Is there going to be a, are these other, the Minnesota Vikings, are the Baltimore Ravens, are there leadership from the coaches and management, are they going to put their foot down as well? Is Cam going to be the scapegoat, or is it just uh, the second the, the rookie quarterback for New England actually beat him out, which is being reported as well? It wasn't because of COVID; it's because he's executing better. He's actually running the plays better. I'm talking about in New England. So this rookie is performing better than a 10-year vet. Wow! But again, back to my original statement: What's going on with these quarterbacks not being vaccinated, being in their leadership position? I toss it to you, sir. I'm frustrated. All right. And if and if I'm number two, I'm making sure I'm vaccinated. I'm getting as many reps as possible. I'm not wishing anyone gets COVID, <laughs> but I tell you what, I will be available. Because now it's not a matter of when the quarterback get hurt. And it's a week or two. He can get the Rona, and now he's out for two or three weeks. And the way the league has added those protocols in place, you're going to miss some significant time. So why, if you are QB1, would you, of all people, place your position, your livelihood, your financial gains at risk? Or just put your behind in, in your own quarantine bubble to make sure that you're not going to compromise your team. Yes. And even with that, again, you're, you're the lead. How, how do people respect your locker room to say, are you going to be here next week? What are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going out with my family. I'm, I'm, I'm making it. I'm traveling out of state. I'm traveling. Out, okay, really? And are you now at risk of infecting other unvaccinated players? 
and we get back to the locker room chemistry, the locker room dynamics by me not doing it as the leader. What do I tell the rest? I care about my team. So is it you caring about yourself or the team? We're not talking about, you know, John Q American. We're talking about a team sport, but people are going to labor and fight blood, sweat, tears for 17 weeks for a chance to play three to four weeks in playoffs to get to a Super Bowl. And you as a quarterback are supposed to lead that team there, but it takes one irresponsible decision that you now uh, be placed in COVID protocol that can put that at risk. And I challenge that. I challenge that. That's that's his poor leadership by example. You got to find a way to fix that. Moving on, sir. In the rundown, we had the 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 malice in the palace, and you wanted to you had a hot take on that, sir. So I'm just going to feed off of your energy. What 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 are your thoughts about thoughts about the malice in the palace? I know you were um, uh, said Netflix has a, a show out regarding it, and I was looking at it. I didn't get a chance to see it. But I remember like it was yesterday, and I had to do a little review just to catch me up. Man, today, that looks vicious. And it was vicious then. I wanted to get your take, and I'll just feed off of your energy on the malice in the palace, the Netflix documentary. Viewers, 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 if you all are sports fans, or if you recall what happened November 2004, between the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons, a full-scale riot took place in Detroit. I'm talking about, you know, chairs being thrown, punches being blown, and most importantly, players running into the stands and knocking jokers out. If you have not seen the Netflix documentary, Malice in the Palace, directed or produced by Jermaine O'Neal, who at the time of this, uh, at the time of the Mouse in the Palace, he was up and coming center for the Indiana Indiana uh, uh, Pacers. Um, he was supposed to be the heir apparent. This was the year uh, for the last two to three years at this point, they were really knocking on the doorsteps to make it to the, the NBA Finals. And the year that the Detroit Pistons beat the Los Angeles Lakers, that Eastern Conference Finals was against the New England, uh, the Indiana Pacers. So that's how close the Pacers were. They were the favorites. They had the best record in the league. The issue with this, um, with the show, we look at the Malice in the Palace, is that you watch how the NBA handled it. If you watch how um, media portrayed it, calling Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, and and Stephen Jackson thugs talking about the, the NBA is a bunch of thugs, you know, it's because they look, because the way that they painted the picture that Ron Artestis runs into the stands and beats up a guy. They also examined how David Stern was the judge, jury, and executioner, did not give any due process to his players. It also showed the lack of security that was on site to protect the players from fans. So, not to ruin the, the, the documentary because you can watch it, uh, but bottom line is a tussle takes place on the court. Basketball players fight all the time. There's a hard foul between Ron Artest, Ben Wallace, and they had a little pushing match. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. But what does not happen is when the fans watching the home team getting uh, losing by 15 points start getting a little irate. 
And so as the players are, you know, tussling against each other, a fan, again, it's 2004, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to draw a parallel on why this is so important. A fan in 2004 throws a, a filled cup. I don't know if it's beer or soda. Throws a, a, a filled cup of this liquid and hits Ron Artest, who is on the scores table. And at that time, you're not realizing that Ron Artest has uh, mental health challenges. Uh, anxiety and depression. And so he's trying to escape from this, this environment. He's trying to count the fire, just calm down because a lot of activity happening. Right. This, this, this man throws this, this cup filled and then Ron Artest goes off. And he goes up there and, and he hits the fan. It's a fan, not, you know, and they, and they go to rumble. And then now fans are coming out of stands, coming down on, and coming down on the court. I mean, it, it's, it's nasty. Cops are coming around. The issue I, I have, again, if you watch how David Stern uh, is influenced by the media and what they said, he did not look at all the video, did not see that this was instigated by the fans. This, and so so they wound up getting a suspension, a record-setting suspension to the point where it impacted their ability to make it to the NBA Finals, and Reggie Miller lost his chance to get his, get his title. And some of them... Uh, their careers were never the same. I know Jermaine O'Neal's career was never the same. Steven Jackson wound up winning a championship with the San Antonio Spurs. Ron Artest changed his name to Meta World Peace, won, um, won his championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. But what I found very interesting in this documentary is the lack of uh, leadership and, and oversight, where uh, David Stern was, again, really influenced by the media, but not taking a chance to do due do, uh, do process. It's even alleged that he didn't even talk to his players who were involved with it to find out what happened. He did not look deep into that. And so when uh, prosecutors wound up looking deeper into it, they saw many different angles and saw that the fans were culpable. Again, it's 2004. We look at some of fan behavior now in 2021. You're telling me that the league did not address this issue with fan interference, fan misbehavior. And so they wanted to bring all the culpability to the players. The players are coming to play a game and fans have responsibility. Again, we saw this in the end of uh, last season, fans going outside their measure of authority, their measure of rule and really disrespecting the game and disrespecting players, expecting players not to respond. At the end of the day, you're a grown man getting spit on, getting uh, a liquid dropped on you, getting called out your name. Do you really think that's part of the fan entertainment experience? You think that gives you a pass because you paid your 30 to 50 to 70, to $120 for that ticket? No. So there's a, there's a pervasing yeah. uh, uh, issue. Again, it started, we're talking about 2004 when this riot happened and in 2021, the league still has not addressed that. I understand on David Stern's yeah. watch, how he ran business, <clears throat> but Adam Silver, come on now. We had situations, Joel Embiid, yeah. Russell Westbrook, Trey Young, those three right there in the end yeah. of the last season. It only takes a fan coming pass. in there yeah. with, with, with a weapon to, to do something. So so that's that's what we see right there. Uh, again, it's drawing that relation into uh, what is the NBA doing now as far as fan interference and protecting the players. Yeah, so as a result of that, a couple of things came out of that and so, so, a lot of no good because you're talking about bad press for those three players in particular, why of the cornrows and the tattoos, and they were all what black going against into the stands and hitting what white spectators. So it looked bad. 
And even on air, you heard him talk about the thug or you heard Bob Costas later on commentating on this thug-like mentality. Keith Overman talking about wannabe gangsters. So, yeah, it, they were portrayed very terribly. But looking at, if you look on the court now, timeouts, what's going on? You see security around the whole court and they're facing the fans and not facing the court. They're facing the stands so they can see uh, out of control or people that are maybe had too much to drink and they're actually pointing them out. So the risk of that happening is reduced because there's actually more security. But at the same time, Tim says, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. Westbrook is getting called the N-word or he's being, stuff is being poured on him. It happened at the Wizards game. And so he's wanted to go up. You talked about Trey Wrong, Young. He had been spat on. The guy was a poor shot, didn't hit him, but hit the person that was in front of, the, of him, the spitter. And so that's in these COVID times, and we talked about it on air here, you can't be doing that. And so that guy and some of these guys, these instigators are being banished from Madison Square Garden or from Utah. And Wow. No, they need to go to jail. Okay, because Westbrook is a big dude, six foot six, weighing about 220. And if he does go up in there, like Ron Artest does, he's going to knock somebody out. He's going to get hurt. The malice in the palace. Not only did he go into the stands, people, you didn't know friend or foe because he had other Pistons players and Pacers players. You didn't know if they're going as peacemakers or they're going to go in and continue to fight or protect their guys. So it was bad because there wasn't enough security. And so I think to your point, where are you at, Silverman? Where are we at, leadership? We need better protection for our players and our fans. Golly, guys, you can almost do anything. You can almost do anything. Matter of fact, go ahead. Please boo. If your team is not showing up, by all means, please boo. But spit, throw beer on me or anybody else or even one of the players. What do you expect? They're already in the heat of the battle, and some call it war. No, it's not war, but that's what they're trained for, is to go and be at this high angst to go and beat the opposing player. So they're, they're already wired, high ops tempo. And then you, Mr. Nobody or Miss Nobody, want to act bad? Well, just know that you're, this is not TV that you're yelling at. And know that this is not TV that you're throwing a beer at or throwing popcorn at. This is a real man, black or white, it don't matter, who will slap you, slap the taste out your mouth if you do that again. Adam Silver, uh, I think he is concerned about that. I'm sure this documentary will bring it back to bear on how this black eye was at one point in time. And pray, we pray that it doesn't doesn't happen again. The, the, the other thing too is they trained, they changed the dress code because of that. Did you know that? Yeah. Alan, uh, they wanted every NBA player to now come in almost business attire, you know, look professional. They used to come in cornrows. Yeah, they could still wear the cornrows, but you had to look professional. And it was because of the malice in the palace. So we have come a long way. Uh, guys are wearing, you see the fashion, it's like a fashion runway as they're coming to the game. Some are dressed tees, some are dressed to the tee. 
down. Uh, and so the Malice in the Palace actually brought uh, a change on their attire as they are coming and going and representing their team. So uh, thank you for sharing that, Vic. I do appreciate it. You bring up some, some outstanding points. No doubt. So team, it's been great. It only takes 30 minutes for us to make an impact. And that time went by quick. So we, we talked about <laughs> it in the beginning. This journey goes fast. We just completed episode two of season two. And I, I trust today, at least this little bit of distraction for those who are impacted by Ida, gave you a laugh, made you think, you know, allowed us to be in your space for just a little bit today. But I ask you all continue to, to, to support the program. Hit us on our Twitter. Uh, throughout the next week, we may have some hot burns. Check in Twitter. I guarantee you we'll light you up. So thank you again. <laughs> be safe this week, whether you're impacted by Ida. Be safe with regards to COVID. Just be safe in general. Because guess what? It's the last holiday weekend of this summer. So party, but party responsibly. Enjoy Labor Day weekend. You deserved it. Let's get this thing back on track. Let's watch some good college football and get ready for some NFL. Take care. Take it to the house team. Off to you, Unc. Thank you, sir. I'll take that. Uh, and I echo the sentiments. This is Labor Day weekend. We should be about family and fun and wherever you are. And to my fellas on that Vegas trip, I'm praying for y'all. I'm with y'all in spirit. Have a good time. Wish I could be there. To my daughter, Terry, transition to Germany. I love you. And I'm praying for all the military men and women. We just pulled out of Afghanistan. It was one of the worst pullouts I have ever seen. But yet, we lost 13 service members last week. So my heart really goes out to those family. Man, they were so young. Marines, Navy, uh, male and female. So please be considerate of all service men and women all over the land who are protecting us even on these Labor Day weekends and these days and nights when you don't want to get up. Somebody is on that wall. As Jack Nicholson said, you want me on that wall. And so we appreciate all of our servicemen and many are in my family for being on the wall. This is another, another episode of Taking It to the House. We love you and we'll see you next week. <laughs>